Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. Today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema, and we are a fractional new business team for marketing agencies and related marketing service companies. Even if you're not at the point of being able to hire a company like ours, I still want to do my best to help out. And today we are giving away access to our most recent recorded video training titled Relationship Driven New Business at Scale, emphasis on at scale. This is all about how we secure five to 20 weekly brand agency relationships for each one of our clients using tasteful email outreach centered on personal and or business commonalities. A few things we cover. We cover the two big shifts that have created a huge need for this approach and why we think you should rethink uh, the way your agency builds relationships and does new business. We cover the specifics on dozens of commonalities that we have used successfully to build relationships between agencies and brand side decision makers. We cover a simple follow-up process that you can use for your team, if even if you're busy, even if you're in a mixed role between sales and client service. And we cover actual copy examples that you can use to get inspired and build your own campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to the video training, which runs about 30 minutes or so, you can do that by going to saleschema.com slash relationships. Again, saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Today on the show, I am very excited to welcome Omar Alvarez. Omar is the co-founder and COO of Symbiosis, which is a marketplace for software engineers from vetted software agencies across Latin America. So I learned a lot in this episode, and it was super interesting learning about the the emerging you know sector of talent in this part of the world, which has a lot of advantages if you're looking for for good outsourced talent, especially time zones. But beyond that. Um, just the, the creativity and the ingenuity that's, that's coming out of this part of the world. Um, so Omar, you know, is has his finger on the pulse of this area, you know, based on, on what he's doing to to line up uh, team members with agencies and others, especially in design and development. So I think that if you are looking to scale um, and looking for for other ideas for where you can find good people, um, you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. So without further ado, please give it up for Omar Alvarez. Omar, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for yeah, me. yeah. So, so um, there's there's so many so many places to go, kind of regarding Latin American talent, and I think the first question I have is more just like about sort of a, a, a entrepreneurship question, which is how hard was it to build a marketplace? Because that always seems like one of the hardest things to build. It's like a chicken or egg problem where you yeah. need buyers to get sellers and so on. So I love to hear what it took to do that. So it's a big question at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good question for starting. So. Um, like you mentioned, it is really, really hard to build both sides at the same time. So you have to focus on one. That's my, my main, my main advice here. And you normally start with the supply part. You need to get this, uh, good talent. In our case, Symbiosis is a marketplace for hiring software engineers, uh, in countries like Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, but they are not freelancers. They are already working at a small software agencies. So they are current employees, but they happen to be unassigned to any project at this time. And this normally happens because they just finished a, a big project and they are waiting for be assigned to a next project. So they have we have this time frame where they are available. It's just a, a small window when these great talent, uh, specialized engineers are available. Uh, so what we're doing here at Symbiosis is that we create this platform. So tech companies in the US, mainly startups or other software agencies can access and post a project and then get uh, 
these candidates from multiple software agencies. They can evaluate them, uh, interview them, and then decide if they want to hire under a flexible model. So that was kind of a commercial, but <laughs> the, the main idea here is that um, we, we realized that it was very, very important for us to start having the best uh, the top software agencies in the region uh, to join our platform so they can promote great talent. And that great talent uh, was speaking by themselves. You know, like uh, when when these companies, the startups reach out to us and say like, hey, we're looking for a software engineer, uh, which is specialized on React and has five plus years of experience. And and we, are, we only have $5,000 as a monthly budget. And they post that. And then they realize that they get access to so good talent out there and they realize like, Hey, and they are working, they will be assigned three months or six months to my project. And then that's it. I don't have to worry about firing anyone or something like that. So then they say like, okay, it's interesting. And once we get that part covered and and we, we start getting more traction, more clients at uh, the supply part also grows, you know? So my, my recommendation here is that focus on having the best, supply part at the beginning so that will attract more clients more customers and uh, uh, once you start getting this critical mass you know of, of clients interacting with your with your supply part uh you just start getting more supply and that improves the quality of the the engineers that you're presenting right right and i have so many questions about that that model because it seems a little bit different than others so but I'll, i'm gonna put a pin in those and first i just love to hear your your experience with how you know, the landscape of talent has evolved in Latin America. I guess like in the US, you know, when we were talking about globalized talent, it started with India, then Philippines mm-hmm. and Eastern Europe. And now Latin America seems seems like like the newer, the newer player. So I just mm-hmm. love to see like in your lifetime, how how have you seen it change? Right. And so it's a good question. So I believe that maybe 10 years ago, um tech talent here in Latin America in general was kind of a small for 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 looking for a better word but i mean um i believe that something that changed a lot is that we start getting a lot of investment for startups as well uh something that happens is that a lot of bc uh, funds uh, in the us start looking to latin america and say like hey we can also build companies like rapi for example for instance in, in colombia it's the it's like Uber Eats, uh, but it's growing so, so fast. And they, they became like the first unicorn from Colombia. And then they have a lot of unicorns in uh, Brazil, for example. So a lot of VCs still realizing that it was like a good bet to, to start investing in these uh, companies that could also replicate some models that was proven in the, in the U.S. And, and then uh, after that, once these uh, companies, the startups start growing, they start hiring uh, software engineers. So there was this huge demand of software talent. So that uh, in a certain way, help people to realize like if they pursue uh, a tech, uh, a career in the tech uh, field, they could also get a good job with a good, uh, good salary, good income from them. So that was interesting for them. So let's say like 15 years, 10 years from now, uh, they, they start uh, pursuing these activities and, and then, these tech industries start growing really, really, really fast. I mean, like we passed from having 500 millions of BC investments in 2016 to $4.6 billion last year. So it was a huge uh, increase, right? So that uh, prompted like a lot of software talent, a lot of 
software companies here in the region. And they are all pursuing uh, to, to create more startups to also create more companies in that in that matter. So yeah, I believe that it is growing. It is really uh, it's growing really, really fast. We have people that are really, really talented, uh, maybe 10 years of experience in certain technologies, and they are looking for more more uh, challenge, you know, like they, they want to keep motivated and they want to learn more. So they want to be trying new projects every time. So I believe that this industry and the tech side of Latin America is growing really, really fast. And the and the, the benefit that we are so close to the U.S. and we're under the same time zone, that also makes a huge difference regarding hiring people from other, other places around the, the globe, uh, meaning like India, Eastern Europe. Well, you have to wait a lot of time to get an answer, right? In your case, it's like you're working at the same time zone. So you can travel there. You need to meet with the team and then go back to the to the U.S. the same day. So that's kind of, we have some advantage in that part. And I believe that since 1980s, uh, there's a company that is called Softtech. Maybe you have heard about it, but it's like a, it's a huge uh, software development company that provides nearshore services this term of near shore is like you're so close to the head to the country right and uh, so that started growing uh, th those were like the, the pioneers in in this space and then there are a lot of companies start growing uh, around that model but then a lot of companies start offering the services by uh, not only assigning engineers but doing the job under a scope so that was kind of the and also uh, another another approach that we have so yeah i believe that it's growing and it's growing really really fast yeah, that's super interesting. And I guess one impression that I've had is is that um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is that, you know, hiring dev talent in the US is like you're kind of you kind of have this binary either like you're you have um, the people that are like rock stars and they went to Stanford and Carnegie Mellon and they're, they cost the bundle and they're getting bid on by Facebook and Google and so on. And, or you have nothing <laughs> in terms of like hiring US talent because, you know, we haven't, I feel like the US hasn't done a great job um, you know, the quote unquote, it's become like a meme now and it's become like really controversial with the idea of like teaching people to, to, to code basically. So I'm trying, I'm trying to bring this to a question, but I guess like, are, are you seeing the same thing? It's almost like, it's not just an arbitrage and it's just, it's not just that it's cheaper in somewhere like Latin America. It's like the talent just isn't even here unless you are like a Google or something. Like exactly. I'd love to hear if you agree, disagree. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. The, the thing here is that we realized that there's a shortage of software engineers in, in the U S and has been for a couple of years now. And the thing is that, like you mentioned, big companies like Apple, Microsoft, Google are the first one to gather all the available talent, right? And then small companies, uh, early stage startups, uh, struggle a lot. They, ha they have to compete against each other for the remaining talent. And, and then they have to settle with hiring people from other countries and hiring people, like you mentioned, from India or from Eastern Europe that... Um, Sometimes it's not uh, the optimal way to, to develop your product because like, you know, uh, having these cultural differences and also uh, it, they try to communicate with them sometimes, um, you know, it, it is hard to communicate and be on the same page. And when, when you're starting your company, relying on those factors can also can actually kill your company. So it is very, very important to focus on that. So I believe that, uh, it, it is true. There's a shortage. It's not like you're not trying hard and, and you're not finding people. It's, 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 a, it's a problem. It is actually a problem. So I believe, and, and the, the other thing that we, that we realize is that 
Latin America already has a lot of infrastructure, a lot of resources that are unassigned, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, they are doing bench time at the moment. So it made sense for us to, to connect both parts, you know, the high demand uh, for tech talent that we have in the U.S. and all the infrastructure and resources that we have in Latin America and maybe connect them under a flexible model in, in that sense. So only with the on demand, like if they require for a couple of months, they can hire them. And afterwards, they can uh, release them back to their original companies, right? So that was kind of the, the model that we that we presented. But it is true. And uh, just from, from throwing some facts here, um, every year, uh, that there are more, more than uh, 500,000 software uh, companies in the U.S. And every year, uh, we have 40,000 new startups, new tech startups that are being created in, in the U.S. So all of those companies requires at least one software engineer. So you can imagine that every year this this gap is growing, right? This this shortage of engineers is growing. So we need to fulfill that that gap, and we need to to help connect both, both parts. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's one hell of a gap. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. And so a couple of questions there, I guess. One is, is it seems like the model of uh, on the supply side of kind of partnering with software agencies is like a little, a little unconventional, it seems like. Um, so can you tell me more about that? Like, what was the decision to partner with agencies versus like trying to get a circle of freelancers or something like that? Right. So, yeah, uh, we we started as a software agency about, I don't know, seven years ago now. And uh, we, we we were based in Monterrey, Mexico, and we had a commercial office uh, here in Austin, in Austin, Texas. And what happened is that we realized that after we finished a project, we were used to have one or two of our engineers unassigned and that were representing a huge cost for us because we still have to pay their salaries. So we have to assign to internal projects, but that doesn't represent any revenue or income for us. So uh, we reached out to a former client and, and we, we realized that they just raised a, a fund there. Uh, I believe that they, they raised a pre-seed or a seed round or something like that. So um, we, we talked to them and said like, hey, we have these engineers available. Would you like to hire them um, just for a couple of months? And, like that. and that worked out. And we realized that maybe other software agencies were experiencing the same problem than us. So we reached out to them and we asked them and they told us like, hey, we actually, yeah, we have one or two uh, engineers as well. So we start building this platform. So I believe that what differentiates uh, us is that we we understand the problem on a deeper level because we were part of it in a certain, in a certain way. So we start building this platform surrounding that problem, you know, like uh, learning about that interaction with other software agencies. And we start building all the, the technical features that we need to, to help them to reach to more, to, to a wider audience, right? To a wider market, market so they can assign those available engineers. And the main reason that we don't want to work with freelancers at, the, at this point is because we already have platforms like Upwork, like TopTal out there, and they are very, very, very good at, the, at that. You know, like you can find good freelancers there. But most of our clients at these companies don't like to work with freelancers, mainly because they know that these engineers uh, are working on multiple projects at the same time. There's a lack of commitment to your project, the accountability part. Sometimes they stop responding to you. So that 
can also kill at your company. Imagine that you hire a freelancer for a couple of hours per month. They are not working full time in your project. And after a couple of months, uh, they release uh, that, that version that you need uh, that work. But after three months or four months, you, you want to reach back to them and continue to work. And it's impossible to reach out. You know, sometimes they start responding to you and stuff like that. So in our case, the main differentiator we have is that these engineers are already hired by the software agency. So these companies will provide the infrastructure, the equipment for them to work. They are part of a team. Uh, and these software agencies are specialized in a particular technology, meaning like a front end or back end. So they can all help each other to give tips and how to improve their development skills. Uh, so it's more like a community. It's more like a hub instead of an individual working by their own. So that's right. kind of a, a different approach. And if you have like any problem, any issue with the performance of the engineer, you can reach out to the agency and the agency will help you out on that. Uh, otherwise, you know, like uh, it is impossible to reach out to, to other, if you're working with a freelancer, well, uh, who's, who's managing that freelancer, right? So, right. yeah. Yeah. And that's all like our, our value prop doing new business for, for agencies, professional service companies is the, the consistency element. So that makes a lot of sense. So we've had the same problem hiring like individual designers, developers, mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, they're just, they're always looking for greener pastures <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and, and it's sort of like, I get it. Cause there's not enough skin in the game. You know, if, we've, if you've got a sporadic project once every few months or something, it's hard to keep people around. So mm-hmm. that, that totally makes sense to me. And, and I guess with that in mind, um, what are you doing to vet talent? You know, what are you doing to get people onboarded and kind of figure out what, you know, what's an agency worth having in your roster? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and this also brings me back to the first question that you made. So at the beginning, what we, we start um, doing is that we invite almost every software agency, you know, like it was, it was funny because it was like, we reach out to them, but given that we, didn't have like any project at the moment. It was really, really hard to get them motivated to be part of our, of our platform. Like you mentioned, the chicken egg part. So what happened there is that we started inviting companies like, Hey, join us. And once we get a project, uh, that that will be, uh, you will be the first one to apply with your candidate, blah, 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 blah. So our, our quality get compromised in a certain way, you know, like it, it was part of, okay, if you're a software company that have, our, our, our process were, were like, uh, was like, we, we start looking to their backgrounds, right? Like how many years of experience, how many years in the market, uh, you have a portfolio as well. Um, and if you, you, you have available engineers, because the idea here is that you don't hire an engineer for assigning to a project, right? It's someone that you already have in your in-house a team, and then you assign them to a project. It's very, very different because some of these companies were hiring r- right away when they get a, a need. So, um, yeah, th- that was kind of the, the betting process at, at the beginning, but we realized that it was very, very important for us to start raising the, the bar, you know, uh, when we start doing, it's like, once we realize that some partners apply with candidates that they don't even know, and they, they were like, Hey, uh, yeah, I just find the perfect candidate for your project. And they sent it and it was like, have you worked with this engineer before? No. Uh, do you know if he's, he speaks English uh, fluently? Uh, no. Uh, do you know if, blah, blah, blah. so then we realized that, okay, 
those are not good partners. And we don't need those kind of companies in our platform. Yeah. So we keep like only one or two at the beginning. And we were like, uh, if we, we have a project that um, have a very, very specific technology and we, we weren't able to, to search candidates from, from, from the current pool, then we look for other, other companies to, to join. And we start the vetting process and we, we talk to them. And then what, what happened is that we start getting these two groups of, uh, of companies inside our, our supply, uh, part. And what happened is that only the best, the best software agencies were able to assign multiple engineers and they were able to, to have like these conversations with new leads, uh, in our company saying like, Hey, we already have six engineers assigned through symbiosis. So we're working, uh, some of our companies are hiring a second or third engineer from our team. So that was kind of that, that give them a lot of confidence, you know, like that they feel like some confident, like the model was working and the leads feel like, okay, I can trust this guy. You know, like it, it seems like they're doing a good job. I can hear the the references from, from other customers as well. So, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is trial and error, like, like everything. So that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to, so, so Latin America is a big place, you know, lots of different countries, lots of, lots of different sensitivities. So I love to hear your thoughts on, or your experience, you know, vetting agencies in different places. My guess is that an agency in Rio is going to have completely different issues than an agency in Buenos Aires, different than Mexico. Yeah. So I'd love to just hear, hear about the specific idiosyncrasies between the countries and just kind of what you're, what you're staying ahead of. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because even though that we are from the same Spanish speaking background, you know, like in a certain way that like we were used to have some, some similar I don't know costumes or anything like that. Uh, it is different. Every country uh, is is very very different. Uh, and to be honest, we started in Mexico, so we focus on Mexico. That that's the the country that we we know best in, in our in our way. So we start reaching out to more companies. And right now, maybe eighty percent of the of our partners they all come from Mexico, and the other twenty come from Argentina, Colombia, and Uruguay. Those are the other, the other three countries that we have. We haven't entered to Brazil yet. We, we know that Brazil is very, very strong in software development. They have really, really good talent uh, there. And that's maybe our next step. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, at this moment, what we realize is that we need to really, really bet these these uh, partners and to understand them in in the best way in the best possible way for us to provide value to them you know so it was easier for us to focus right now mainly in mexico given that we understand that market we understand the dynamics that they uh, that they follow there and 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 then it was easier for us because also uh, in the u.s they're like, oh, okay, they are located in Mexico City. They are located in Monterey, Guadalajara. So they, they already heard sometimes about those cities. So they realize like, okay, it's pretty close from, for example, from California, from New York, from, from Texas. It is pretty easy to travel by, to Mexico City and then be back in, in the United States maybe next day or the same day, right? So we start focusing on that. And then we, when we got demand for, for talent that we couldn't find in, in partners here in Mexico, then we moved to Argentina and we talked with them and they, they joined our platform as well. And then to Colombia and then to Uruguay. So it was more like a, 
once we need to to move to those countries to search talent or to search new partners there, then we 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 do it. You know, like the only when we need to to do that, and that help us to realize like, okay, is it necessary at this moment to move to that really? And then uh, after answering that question, we realize that, okay, it is important to do that right now. So we start moving to other different uh, cities, and and then we start growing, and then we start identifying different needs. Uh, those those companies have, but at the end, it's technology, and the technology is universal, it's global. So if you're a good developer, uh, you're welcome to join our platform, and then you will because we're sure that you will perform as expected uh, for a, for a US project, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. And right now, we're at like a weird place where you know work life culture is changing a lot, and everyone's trying to figure out which way it'll go. We, we've had a remote company for five years, so for us, it's kind of, we kind of feel like like Sherpas almost. Like with my my girlfriend, you know, I'm trying to get her to like not work till 10 p.m. every night just because you can. <laughs> so I love to hear like your thoughts on how um, the cultures are affecting each other. You know, there's the the cliche startup Silicon Valley culture of just work work, you know, all hours of the night and hustle and all that stuff. And yeah. then there's the the cliche of Latin America where you, God forbid, enjoy life a little bit, you know, and <laughs> relax and so on. So yeah. I love to hear your thoughts on like how, how these things are affecting each other is, 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 and, and what's, and then is there one that's dominating more than the other? Are they, yeah. are they actually like positively affecting each other maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good question. So um, I believe that once Latin America start getting a lot of uh, investment from VCs, uh, those VCs start requesting more results, right? Like asking for more results, more traction, more. So then that culture that we, that like I mentioned, the Silicon Valley culture of hustle and, you know, like looking for, for more revenue and developing products really, really fast, that all starts getting into those, those regions, right? Like uh, entrepreneurs as in Latin America, are aware that they need to struggle a lot. They need to hustle in order to get uh, results, right? So they are used to work hard as well. And I believe that technology, like I mentioned before, is global. So if you're a good developer, you're a good developer everywhere. You know, like it doesn't matter if you're in Latin America and you're in India, you're in Eastern Europe, you're in the United States. It doesn't matter if you're a good developer, you're going to excel, you know, and you're going to do your best for, for delivering a product. So I believe that once you get motivated because you get this opportunity to build something that you care and to build something that you are interested in, well, that's a, a huge combination. You know, people are motivated. Uh, people that is very, very talented are ready to start building something that they want. Uh, well, Oof, that that will only generate like a, a good result. So uh, we start seeing that maybe ten years uh, ago um, they start growing this this part. They start uh, building these software products, and they start realizing that they can also uh, share their knowledge with other fellow entrepreneurs uh, there. And and then we I believe that both that interaction between the U.S. and also Latin America. Uh, it's going to become uh, or is becoming really, really strong. They are very, very connected. And most of the engineers that we have talked to, they, they want to, to work with 
for companies in the US or they want to work for startups in Latin America that are very, very similar than startups in the US, you know, like these tech companies, they, this Google culture stuff. So they, they want to work in those kind of companies and, and building uh, products that will change in a certain way the way we interact uh, and the the way that the, the world works, right? So yeah, I, I believe that we have there um, a particular interest from, in this case, from software engineers to to really work at, at challenging projects and wherever they are in the US or in Latin America, but they want more. They, they want to get challenged. They want to learn more. So I believe that's a, a good fit uh, for, both culture, for both cultures uh, at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and with that, I'd love to hear just kind of like, where do you see, where do you see the gaps? Like, where do you see the most demand and, and specifically, you know, uh, different, different specializations of tech that's hardest to find? Like, where, 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 what are you kind of working on now? Okay. So yeah, we still realizing that uh, there are some trends right now. People are using uh, React a lot. If we talk about technologies per se, people are using uh, React, people are using Node. Yes, as well for back um, back end, and uh, they they are also using for, I don't know. Uh, I believe that we realize that this is something that happens. People are moving from the traditional technologies to new technologies, but then they come back to uh, to their original technologies like PHP as well. So it is it is very very interesting. So the main idea that we have is that we we need to be able to provide any technology, you know, because given that in our case, symbiosis is not hiring anyone and we don't have any engineers in-house, but instead we reach out to, to other agencies. Uh, it is easier for us to offer their talent, you know, like uh, their infrastructure, their resources. So um, I believe that in this case, it doesn't matter if the trends change, we will be able to, to provide that talent and the engineers here uh, are learning the, the, the new technologies all the time. You know, like we find people uh, that have three, four years of experience working with Node, for example. And maybe it doesn't sound like, a, okay, it has a lot of experience, but they do because their projects are were like really, really challenging. So it is, it is amazing to learn about their backgrounds, their profiles. So I believe that it doesn't matter what technologies are, you know, like if they're changing, if they're putting new technologies out there, these engineers are always learning about them and they they are, they want to get involved in projects using those new technologies. So yeah, I believe that the important part here is that people are able to learn stuff uh, uh, really, really fast. And they are also able to share that knowledge with other engineers in the, in the, in the zone. Yeah, that makes sense. And to kind of bring this down to earth, so let's say you know um, there's there's a small tech startup or an agency that's that's looking for dev talent. Uh, for for those that haven't been through the process before, especially you know outsourcing somewhere like Latin America, what's what's a good way to communicate? Like, is there is there an ideal like test project that you're seeing clients give? Uh, is there a, how does how does onboarding typically play out the best way? Okay, right, yeah. So it's interesting because the traditional way. Uh, is that you go to, I don't know, Google <laughs> and you put like uh, software agencies in Mexico, right? And then you start uh, doing your your search, uh, your research about these uh, companies and you reach out to some of them 
you have maybe a, a call with their sales uh, department and they will all say like, yeah, you you just get to, to the right place, right? Like here's, uh, we have the best talent in Mexico, uh, our available talent right now uh, are those engineers, blah, blah, and they, they are the best ones. And and maybe you will say like, hey, it, sounds, it looks good. Here's our portfolio, uh, blah, blah. These are the engineers that we have. And that's good, you know? But I, I truly believe that the main uh process that you have to to do in order to get the best candidates is to compare you need to go to multiple agencies you know and you have to reach out to them and you have to do some due diligence about their their portfolios their companies they have worked with also reach out to some customers that they have before and so basically what we're doing is that we're doing that job for you in a certain way because we reach out to their customers we uh, realize that they have a uh, past experience in developing a project using the particular technology that you need, that you're looking for, and how many uh, engineers they have in their offices. You know, if they, they are a very small company or if they, are, they have 50 plus engineers, right? And also, um, if they are used to work remotely, maybe they're local, you know, like they're focused to work in Mexico City and that's it. Or maybe they're used to, uh, they, they already have experience assigning engineers to projects in the US or Canada before. So um, I believe that the right process that a company should follow is to compare, to bet by themselves, do some due diligence uh, out there. And after they, they compare, also for multiple options, maybe Mexico and also Argentina and maybe Colombia. And then you have to interview the candidates. That's that's a must, you know, like you have to talk with the with the engineers directly uh, without having any other guy involved during the interview. You know, like you have to be able to communicate with them, uh, to understand uh, them as well. Uh, to let them present their work, you know, they, they have a portfolio, you need to see their, their work. Uh, and that's a very, very important process. And, and then you can send some tests to them, you know, like, uh, sometimes you buy, uh, tests from, I don't know, um, yeah, we, we have found that a lot of customers, uh, use platforms like, uh, Udemy and, and they, they send some tests using those tools the engineers they get uh, results in, in real time and they can evaluate those results right so uh and after you 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 try them uh in that way normally you can ask for a trial period meaning like maybe one month uh and see if that works out and if it doesn't works out well okay you you need to have the option to to finish the collaboration at that moment, right? Like if you you don't feel like the onboarding process is going well, uh, the the engineer is not it's not a good fit for your company for your culture, something like that. Uh, then you have to be able to 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 finish to uh, to end that collaboration right away, right? You don't have to wait like oh I, I signed a contract for six months I, I'm screwed. No, you 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 have to be able to to do that. So. Yeah. Uh, those would be my, my main uh, advisor and don't settle. I mean, like don't settle for the first option. That's, uh, that's my main, my main uh, advisor because sometimes years uh, tech companies are like, we need someone 
now, like for yesterday, you know, like it doesn't matter who he is, uh, if he knows how to, how to, how to develop in react, hire him, hire him, you know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think engineering is kind of interesting because it's, it's unlike design and other things where it's a little bit more, what you see is what you get, you know, as well as the communication and the stuff that you can figure out through vetting. It's a little bit more like, you know, somebody that's building uh, scaffolding or piping inside of a wall where it, it doesn't, it takes somebody else looking at it to be like, okay, well, this guy did this or, or, or woman did this really well, or did this really badly or something like that. So is there any process you recommend for, for dealing with that? Like to actually figure out, okay, after the fact, uh, was, is this code actually done well, done not well? And it takes a high level of expertise to actually be able to vet that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. I believe that um, normally these companies already have a CTO and maybe a couple of software engineers and they just need to boost their tech teams, right? They, they need to hire uh, someone just to meet a deadline. And these particular uh, companies are able to test uh, those engineers maybe in a deeper way, right? Like evaluate their code and realize if they... they maybe after they send the test, and they realize how they they wrote some code and the, the techniques they use, their skills. So maybe they can have a, a, a good idea of, of the, the quality of the engineer, right? Like they, they, they will say like, okay, this is a good engineer. It's a good fit for a company. But only when you start working and then you realize like, okay, <laughs> I, I was wrong or I was right on, on that, right? If it's a good fit for my current team, it's able to to work with them, right? The teamwork. And, um, but some of these companies that uh, are current customers, some of them are non-technical funders. So it's almost, it's virtually impossible for them to, to bet those engineers, right? They, so they trust a lot on what we say in, in this case, right? Like we, we, in this case, we became, we become like their CTOs. For, for an instance, we, we can also help you bet those engineers before you, you hire them. We can run some tests. Also, we know that given that they are part of our pool uh, of partners, uh, agencies, these, these agencies already have a couple of years working with them. So they can tell you like, okay, we know that these engineers work well. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't have in, like in-house, right? Uh, so, so by so, for so many, so many years. So, uh, I believe that we kind of solved that, that, that problem for the non-technical, um, uh, as entrepreneurs, funders, um, and also for the technical entrepreneurs, like you try them out, you know, like we, we, we offer you this one month for, uh, it's like a, a trial period. When you, you realize if the onboarding process is doing well or not. And after that, you decide you want to hire them uh, for, for a longer period, you know, like maybe six months or one, one year. And, and that's it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Like you mentioned, it's not something like um, you can see on their portfolio and you realize like, hey, these are good engineers and that's it. You need to hire them, try them out. And then you realize if it's a good fit or not. But it's something that you can realize really, really quickly. Maybe in the first two weeks, you realize if someone is working and is getting uh, things done and is understanding your project. That's that's very, very important. So yeah, you, you can realize that in the first two weeks and then you decide if you want to continue or not. So 
that's our, our, our approach there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And at the end of the day, it's about vetting and trust. So I think uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of our listeners and clients value propositions are, are pretty similar. So yeah. uh, Omar kind of, kind of getting towards the end of the time. Um, how can people get in touch with you and, and follow what you're up to? Of course. So yeah, you can, uh, you can find us, um, our website is, uh, symbiosis.team. You can uh, reach out to them. Uh, uh, you can also reach out to me uh, here. Uh, my email is omar at symbiosis.team. I would love to answer any any possible questions. And uh, yeah, you can follow all, uh, also in social media. We have our LinkedIn, uh, it's, uh, uh, symbiosis.app. <laughs> and we also have Twitter and Facebook. We have our, our page there. And please, if you ever have any questions about hiring people from Latin America, please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to give you advice on, on the process, uh, where to look uh, for, for good talent and also to help in any, in any possible way. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Omar, thanks, thanks so much for your time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. Again, today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. We are a fractional new business team for growth-focused boutique agencies and related marketing service companies. But even if you're not at the point of hiring us yet, I still really want to do you solid by giving you access for free, by the way, to our latest recorded video training. And that is titled Relationship Driven New Business at Scale, emphasis on at scale. And basically, this is how we secure around five to 20 weekly brand agency relationships for each one of our clients using tasteful email outreach centered on personal and or business commonalities that our clients share with the people they're reaching out to. So a few things that we cover, we cover the two big shifts that have informed this big strategy shift uh, and why we think you should rethink the way that you are doing new business, most likely at your agency. Uh, we talk about dozens of specific commonalities that we use to build relationships between our clients and brand side decision makers. We go over a simple, manageable follow-up process that you or your team can use, even if you're busy, even if you're in a mixed sales client service role. And we actually go over specific copy examples that you can use to get inspired and build your own campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to this roughly 30 minute video training, you can do that by going to saleschema.com slash relationships. Again, that's saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Digital Agency Growth Podcast.